And we're very happy to be turning to our next segment of today, which is all about the Hong Kong International Literature Festival. It starts officially today, and Radio 3 is partnering with the Lit Fest to introduce you to some of the authors. And right now, I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist and photographer Liu Hengxing. HS, hi, welcome to the program. Thank you, Karen, for having me. Well, thank you for coming today. Now, uh, where have you come from? Shanghai. Shanghai, okay. When did you get in? Yesterday. Yesterday. So you're fresh right. from Shanghai. Yes. So um, just for listeners who don't know your background and about your work, can you tell us more about yourself first? Well, I arrived in Beijing in 1978 from New York to start my career. I was the first uh, Time Magazine photojournalist uh, based in Beijing. And then uh, three years later, I was... Uh, um, moved to uh, by the, to the Associated Press, also the first photographer in Beijing, and then I left in 1985 to to Los Angeles AP Bureau, and two years later, after the assassination of Indira Gandhi, I was transferred to New Delhi in charge of uh, photography coverage for the AP for the entire South Asia, including Afghanistan. And then in 89, I was uh, again transferred to Seoul, mm -hmm. where I cover a year of students' um, protests and tear gassing. And in between that, I, I, I was uh, in, in Beijing in the middle of May 1989. Yes. And covered the turmoil till uh, June 9, no, yes, June 9, 1989. And I came back through Hong Kong and back to to Seoul. And after the year is over, AP transferred me to Moscow. Wow. Where I, I spent um, nearly four and a half years and witnessed the collapse of the Soviet Union. And then I came back to Hong Kong in 95, and I was back in Beijing in 1997 no, till now. Really? Oh, wow. So you have been on the front lines of some of the most historic moments in, in history. I would say uh, I, I saw some of the major events in the last uh, quarter of the 20th century. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, particularly in uh, Russia, I mean, the Soviet, what was then the Soviet Union, um, and also in China, you've, you've been in places where there's been a strong communist regime, mm -hmm. but many, many changes. Um, what, what are some of the most memorable moments, would you say, that you've captured from, from witnessing those things? Well, um, when I arrived in 78, um, uh, Beijing, I think, was experiencing the first um, wave of liberalization. And Deng Xiaoping had started the reform agenda in November 1978 of opening up China. Uh, but the changes were not to come yet. But during the early period, but we did first see the the the, the changes by witnessing the, the democracy war on the Xidan bus stop, whereby every day there is just lots and lots of posters, and for journalists, we'll go there and check it a few times each day. And that's the place where uh, avant-garde artists would come to show their work, hanging their uh, paintings and drawings on the, on the cloth line, and 
some were reading the war poster, other were reading the People's Daily, <laughs> and also some some young people were also selling、uh, their little pamphlets that they print underground, and elsewhere,、um, you know, students were more relaxed, and a lot of、uh, English. Foreign language books were published by Chinese press, and it was dubbed as the China's second enlightenment、mm. by the New Yorker、uh, writer Cha Jianying.、Uh, the first, of course, being 1914, yeah, after the Versailles, when、yeah. when when the Europe gave the、uh, German occupied the land to Japan. In, and it started the whole thing.、Right? So、um, HSU have a, a unique point of view because you know you are Chinese, but you've had a Western upbringing. You've worked all over the world. So when you shoot、um, China, how do you see it? Are you seeing it? Do you think from a foreigner's point of view, or does your your background shape what you shoot and how you shoot it? Yes,、yeah, very much so. I did receive.、Um, Uh, my education,、uh, both in Hong Kong, and earlier period, I returned to mainland. So my childhood was spent during the Great Leap Forward, and then the American education, of course.、Um, I think you can't help to photograph China, and having seen that period leading up to the Great Leap Forward, without some fundamental understanding of how that society was structured, and so forth. And it was particularly so for photographer because what we do,、uh, I think, what camera does very well is enable the photographer to to literally read people's body language.、Mm. To, for example, in 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 seventy six, I rushed back from Paris to China when Mao died, and I couldn't make it to Beijing. Because at that time they were getting ready to arrest it again of four. Oh right! But in, in、uh, ironically, it was in a very quiet moment on the on the banks of the Pearl River. I watched the the ordinary、uh, people of Guangzhou how much more relaxed they seem than the early childhood that I remember.、Mm. They were more more vigilant, a little bit more uptight.、Um, So it all shows up in your eyes and and your cheeks and your shoulders, right, and how people walk. So in fact, it was that、um, quote unquote failed assignment to cover <laughs> Mao's funeral that I decided that China was to, about to change, and that if I if I had the opportunity, I would photograph China after Mao, and that's、mm -hmm. what I did. And how would you describe that transformation when you when you are in China today and you compare? Um, how Chinese see themselves, how they project themselves. How would you describe that transformation? Yes, I think、uh, I think in the early period, I think people forgot that if you don't understand if you don't understand China's first thirty five years, it is hard to make sense entirely of the second second half, second thirty five、mm. years when when economic economic liberalization took off. And I would say, in general,、um, the, the the first part, people experience、um, very dramatic kind of economic anxiety, right? Because everything you need a ra、uh, ration 
coupons for everything. Everything's scarce. Right. Yeah. And then the second half, especially now, is a kind of, um, is a, is economic is not so much economic anxiety but it's the kind of anxiety about uh what's next for china mm. is yet undefined and i like to describe it as if as if you were you know a filmmaker you know the f- the first part of china is your first take right <laughs> and then the second take is what's going on now how many takes and, do they get <laughs> and then and then i i i'm actually think um, we're about ready to maybe see China for the third take. The third take. What do you think the third take is going to bring? Um, I think you, you're beginning to see a, a little bit of it, of it already. For example, um, Chinese Foreign Ministry, uh, I saw a, a website story. Um, it was re- recorded that Foreign Ministry made 167 statements uh, about foreign foreign countries and people have hurt the people's feeling okay. of China, and then you know if you look down the story, twenty four times by the Vietnamese and and another t- you know twenty odd times by the Malaysians and the Americans, the British and so on. But now they don't; they tend to use this a little bit less. And and in fact, I see the changes just within the last three four months, especially with protests in Hong Kong. Uh, Chinese are beginning to 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 beginning to change the rhetoric. Mm. When they see something that they don't like, they actually go through uh, point by point by point of of clarification or of refuting the the story and so on. This I have never seen mm. before. So they, they used to they used to bury it under one broad stroke, right. and then say you have heard our feeling. So but now, now they want to really Yes, because they, they realize that because we have now seen the, the manufacturing giant of PRC, what they really are short of is the short power, mm. soft power, I, I meant. And and part of the, the things they realize is that they tell the story so bad <laughs> and they're learning it now. And, and you see uh, evidence of it is starting to, I mean, they, they have they invest billions and billions in the foreign uh, television networks everywhere and so on, enable them to do that. And I would say the first, you know, long period, they're still, you know, doing it the same old way. Right. But I'm I'm beginning to s- sense in the last four months, they're beginning to, to shift gear. Mm. Whether this would, uh, would um, you know, would spread elsewhere, have, uh, for example, if you see the coverage of U.S.-China trade war mm-hmm. now, and their rebuttal is much more specific, they they uh, in many cases much more categorical um, denial or uh, and 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 say the facts are different. Um, so they they're learning how to tell story with with little details. Right, now. right. Mm. So you mentioned, I mean, you are you're arriving in Hong Kong at a very interesting time, of course, for yes. Hong Kong and China. What what are your thoughts on what's going on right now? Um, I I remember the eighties uh, when I would pass through Hong Kong. I remember this this the the eldest statesman of Singapore, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. Yes. He had, you know, he studied law in, uh, in Cambridge. He retained the common law, 
but he he get rid of the the he he he, he kind of went through a a systemic period of decolonization. And I remember he used to sue every every oh, yes. one of the Western media, right. and he won. Yes, because he would he would buried the Western news organization with legal cost, um, stopping you selling ads because you can't circulate and distribute in Singapore. So he's using different means. So you, when you look at what happened to to Hong Kong, I believe Beijing had made a strategic error. In 1997, the immediate uh, handover, mm. they thought was an easy walk mm-hmm. because they, I mean, they had had long presence in Beijing, but they never had to really deal with, um, you know, running and uh, ruling or, or administering of Hong Kong. So a lot of things, if they have done so, on 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 June second or July second of 1997. There will be no argument then. For example, the education and the idea that um, there is a high degree of um, you know population among, especially among the young people, um, issues dealing with their identity: are they British? Are they Hong Kong and part of China? Are they Chinese? All of these things has never been. Uh, uh, really debated and, edu- yeah. edu- and discussed and so on. So I would say I think China missed that one really, really big. I think what they were most concerned of um, were that they have a smooth, you know, Actual transition, transition. Yeah, at the that time that they were so uh, keen not to f- lose face that they cannot have a smooth transition mm. of uh, Hong Kong, um, you know, return of Hong Kong. To China, so I think they made a few uh, error then. Yeah, but Hong Kong also made these shares too. Yes, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about your event at the Lit Fest, and of course your most recent book, A Life in the Sea of Red. So tell us about that. Mm-hmm. We actually, you actually have a screenshot here of the book. Actually, I'm going to have to get you to right. type your password in so we can show it right. on the Facebook right. Live. But you can tell us about the the book while you're getting that up. Well. Um, Oh. Okay, let me turn this around. Well, this is a this is book is a is a is a compilation of uh, my works from the se- late seventies um, on and off. I've covered China now for forty years, and in this period, I also cover. The former Soviet Union's for five years, and and it's it's an idea to let the photograph um, tell its own story. How how these two communist giant um, uh, move forward, reform in a different path, and and we all know the result. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. two very different results, right? Yes. And so you're going to be, um, is this what you're going to be discussing at your uh, event at the Lit Fest? Yes, yes. I, I, I would show, you know, the film, the images, and, and, and have, a, have a Q&A with the audience. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and tell us also, since you're a photojournalist, you know, one of the th interesting things about photojournalism is you need to capture accurately what's happening without really editorialising, without taking sides. How challenging is that to let uh, take a photo so that the viewer can decide what they think about it? Well, I mean, uh, photographers don't lie, but I think I think photographers do go into a story uh, with some with some thoughtful ideas of what this this story was about. Um, it was characteristic of my work that I I usually work cl very closely with the writers, and and for us to to know what I personally think about the story and what to hear what my colleagues will be writing about. It's very important we we do edit pictures because of, you know, every four or five hundred story pictures you shot that day, you can only put maybe a few on the wire. Yeah. And those, those are the choices that one makes. So uh, how do you make the choices? How, 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 you know, how faithful these pictures are to the to the story that you have seen, uh, you know, evolving from day to day when you were covering it, and so the picture you choose the the twenty five word caption really yes. is important too because you are thousands of miles away. You you need to stare the 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 picture editors of the Times and the magazines and so on. What this picture was, what this picture was trying to tell yeah, the story. What it means, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we're enjoying this slideshow here, and uh, let me encourage listeners to go to your event. It's tomorrow. Uh, I think it's at the Fringe Club. Fringe yeah. Club, and then the following day, uh, there's another discussion about Shanghai. Oh, fantastic! Because um, I also had edited a Penguin book on on. Uh, on Shanghai since 1942. Okay, great. Well, so you're going to be busy then. HS, thank you so yes, much for coming in for and talking to me. us today. Yes. And we've been speaking with uh, HS Liu, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning photojournal photojournalist and photographer and will be at uh, several events at the Literary Festival. If you want more information about the Lit Fest, uh, their website is festival.org.hk.